Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season two, episode 16, starring the sultry songstress, Cleo Lane. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppet-sational! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Muppet Sational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we have not been for many weeks, to chat about The Muppet Show. So much has changed. I am now 30, the Queen is dead, and we've had two (laughs) Prime Ministers. (laughs) A lot has happened. (laughs) The craziest thing is, uh, Emma reminded me of this, we make a joke in the last episode we did, which was back in August, about Emma, like, joyfully announcing the death of the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) I think we might have- Emma killed the Queen. I think we might have, like, willed it into existence. It was really scary. I was listening back to our Lou Rolls episode and I was like, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, don't get her, don't cross Emma, because she can kill you (laughs) via the airwaves. (laughs) Emma doesn't need a voodoo doll. She just has the power of saying, and the queen died. (laughs) Yeah, she just needs a mildly popular podcast. (laughs) Speaking of which, we passed 15,000 downloads. Thanks very much, everybody. It's very exciting. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. It's very exciting. And we're we're very happy to be back. We sort of took a little summer siesta just to, you know, get a bunch of bits and bobs done. And uh, now we're back to the punishing in podcast schedule that is (laughs) watching the Muppets at the weekend. (laughs) Grueling, grueling stuff. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) How have you both been? Yeah, I'm okay. It is now freezing cold. I feel like the last time we recorded it was absolutely boiling, glorious sunshine. Yeah. And now... (laughs) Winter is upon us. I know, it's sweater weather. It is sweater weather. Sweater weather. But, uh, well, it's more than sweater weather. Like, we had the weird, it's 20 degrees and it's October. Mm, and yeah. now it's only like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like, now it's like, now it's four degrees and you will feel the cold. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, fine. Yeah, been very, very busy. Uh, so, <laughs> it was nice to, it was nice to have a break, but I'm excited to get back because it, I kept thinking like, I haven't watched the Muppets in a while. I need to watch I know. The Muppets. I even got yeah, to the point where too. I was like, I'd quite like to watch the Muppets. And then I was like, but I can't. <laughs> like, I was like, Not oh. allowed. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was like, I'd have to sit by myself or talk to Peter and just like try and banter <laughs> about the Muppets. Or we'll try to eat dinner. Well, why don't we see if we still know how to do this? Jade, why don't you kick us off with a little production information? I will. So this episode was originally broadcasted broadcasted i clearly do not know how to do this anymore okay (laughs) this episode was originally broadcast on the 15th of january 1978 it was written by jerry jewell joseph a bailey jim henson and don hinckley and directed by peter harris and emma why don't you introduce us to the marvellous Cleo Lane? Yeah, thanks, Jade. Um, so Cleo Lane uh, was born in 1927. She is a jazz pop singer and an actress. And I think she's probably best well known for her like scat singing and for her vocal range. 
Um, she basically has been mostly associated with John Dankworth and his like jazz band. And actually they, they later went on to marry and they had a lot of like success with singing and touring and things like that. She's also been in films, uh, musical, theatre, TV as well. Um, in 1986, she won the Grammy for the Best Female Jazz record mm-hmm. um interestingly enough she's the only female performer to receive um, a grammy nomination in the category of jazz popular and classic categories which i think is quite cool yeah in 1997 she became a dame so she's known as dame cleo lane and basically she well she's still alive Nope. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for when you were going to drop that in there. Yeah, me too. I was like, Ooh. Oh. which way's it going to go? Which way's it going to go? So yeah, she's kind of. I think she's about ninety-five now. So yeah, that's Cleo Lane. Question: Where is she from? <laughs> she's British. She's her British. Dad, her dad's Jamaican, I think. Yeah. Oh, I meant purely because of her accent, because. For her first big number, there was sort of like an American bent to it. And Literally then... the first thing written on my note is just accent question oh, mark. If we're just going to go, like, <laughs> if we're going straight in, the, I actually had to pause the episode the moment he was like, Cleo Lane, 15 seconds of Cleo Lane. And she went, I'm ready. <laughs> and I was like, was the, <laughs> the campest, like, Kristen Wiig playing an old Hollywood actress. I'm ready. And I was like, oh my God, what the hell is this? I'm so excited. <laughs> it's just... No, yeah, so I don't know if it was because of her jazz singing. And also, she did spend a lot of time in the States, I think. she did, Yeah. You, you know, she became very popular over there. So I don't know whether she just affected a bit of a... Transatlantic bent. Yeah. But when she was introducing the Electric Mayhem, she sounded very British. But then there were other parts where she seemed to really mix it up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it. It's great. <laughs> As someone who wishes they could speak full time in the transatlantic accent, it's, uh, I am not, I'm not bemoaning it. I thought it was campus tits. I loved it. It was quite confusing, though. Yeah, she actually, uh, I was had a quick look at her Wikipedia page because I knew basically nothing about her at all. And uh, she grew up in West London, not that far from where I am right now. So that's quite exciting. Ooh. So... This episode, I don't know if it was the same for you both, began with a content warning from Disney+. Yes. Plus. So I was a little bit trepidatious going in uh, to this one, as we know sometimes that can go from anywhere t- from outright racism to a puppet holding a cigarette. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good, though, that Disney Plus does put these little... Uh, you know, acknowledgements of the content warnings. I, d- I don't think I'd ever actually read it properly before. It's a very well-worded warning of being like, we are owning up to this racism. It was bad then and it's bad now. Yeah, I think they're good. And I think, you know, uh, actually, when we get on to the number that I think it's for, yes, <laughs> when I was researching it, there was nothing on the internet that actually suggested that the number itself was problematic like everything i read about it was just like this is a jolly old song <laughs> so i think it's quite impressive in a way that disney are like no actually we are gonna recognize that this is problematic yeah look i'm sure there's a disney lawyer somewhere sitting with a remote control having to watch every piece of content they put onto disney plus and going you know what let's put a mark next to this one <laughs> <laughs> 
is when they finally get round to doing like Pocahontas or Peter Pan or something, then you know that they're actually paying attention. Well, I'm sure they've done Peter Pan. I'm pretty they sh- might have done Peter Pan. I, I think Peter know. Pan does, but you're right. I mean, Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you even begin? <laughs> well, I suppose at the beginning. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine just a little Mickey Mouse pops up every three seconds and goes, we're sorry, folks. Gorge. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> Gorsh. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shall we get cracking with Cleo Lane's yeah, episode? <laughs> I had to really listen the second time I watched it to what she said to Animal when he was attacking her in that cold open. Because this is just, I obviously hadn't dialed into her transatlantic accent at this point, but I almost thought she said, rape me. And it turns out oh. she said, could you hate me instead? Yeah, hate me a little. I got it. I did not. Like, the first time I was like, I know she hasn't said that. But you know when you're like, I don't know what she said. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I was like. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. No, I just ha- I just completely misheard, clearly. The second time I was like, oh, it's it's hate. It's fine. Maybe it's because I'd had to pause it after. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> then maybe I was already more attuned to it. I actually paused it. And then I, because I was watching it in bed this morning, I actually called Peter in from the kitchen. I was like, you need to see this now. <laughs> it's just so camp. I did think several of her numbers felt like they could be SNL sketches. Just the way that she was performing. <laughs> oh, not just her, but also those creepy little puppets, which no, we no. will get to. Um, we have a nice little trumpet gag from Gonzo. I think that's a new one of the trumpet just flying it, it away. Is, it is a new one, but did you notice it's the old Gonzo puppet? It's the season one Gonzo. He looks oh, so busted yeah, I and did gross. wonder that. Yeah. I have Maybe no we idea. saw it in season one and we don't remember it. Maybe. Yeah, it's the old puppet, which I thought was weird. Like when they used to like use an old Simpsons couch gag again. You'd be like, that's not... We've seen this before. <laughs> um, I liked Statler and Waldorf hiding behind the curtains as well. I thought that was very funny. Maybe they knew the puppets were coming. <laughs> Maybe they saw them... <laughs> Maybe they saw them being like loaded out of the van. They were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it was so creepy. Why were their hands so big? <laughs> I, <laughs> there's so many questions. So yeah, many questions. questions. I'll save them for when we get to Bruce, but it's because oh, I just sometimes I close my eyes and I can still see them. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis is holding his hands up at the moment, and I must say they look quite large on the uh, <laughs> through the web webcam. <laughs> trying to do like no, I'm moving too much for the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Too much expression. (laughs) Give it five more years and a trip to the Botox doctor and I too can look like one of those creepy puppets. So we have the runner set up for this episode in our opening scene that basically Fozzie's mom is in the audience. (laughs) Fozzie's mom. In the balcony, no less. Yeah. Which I'm not sure we've seen the balcony. Where's before. the balcony come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, if they've got boxes, it's not surprising they'd have a balcony, but it is strange that previously we've never seen it before. We've only ever seen the stalls before, and now yes. she's presumably not the most uh, agile lady. <laughs> she's been made now to that's go up the rude. Stairs. She's just wearing a house coat. We don't know. <laughs> she could still be a very athletic bear. <laughs> she falls asleep, Lewis. <laughs> Look, we have all been guilty at one point or another of either falling asleep in a theatre or in a cinema. I fell asleep during Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express. (laughs) (laughs) 
I woke up, turned out they'd all done it. Like, <laughs> Shock. Yeah, what? <laughs> like, missed so much of it. <laughs> when we saw Fozzie's mum, obviously we've all seen her subsequently in later Muppet productions, but I did love that it was just Fozzie in drag. It was hysterical. <laughs> But also somehow, like, in my continuity brain, it looks like what Fozzie's mom would look like in the late 70s. So then when we've seen her again in the late 80s, she's kind of aged a bit more and kind of dressed more Golden Girls-esque. But, <laughs> so to me, it, it kind of made sense a bit to me. Like, if, if at least the, the rest of the Muppets don't age, their Muppet parents do. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her little handbag as well. Emma, what was your favourite aspect of Fozzie's mom's attire? Oh, I think I, I liked the house coat. I was like, yep, she's living her best, like, 1970s housewife life. <laughs> I loved that she had earrings, but they were not attached to her ears. No, they were just no. attached to the side of her face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme of Arthur that goes round. Where yeah, with the headphones. Ar- Arthur's got the headphones on the side of his head and his ears are just above it. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> That was what they took the inspiration from for Clearly. Arthur. They were yeah. like, Fozzie's mum's earrings are not on her ears. This is fine. He yeah. can wear headphones here. Or maybe they've just kind of slipped off as she's been dozing. Maybe they're just, they've just got <laughs> caught in her fur. Maybe we should uh, afford them that. But also, was she wearing eyeshadow as well? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, is that being painted straight onto fur? Do you know what I mean? If, she, if she's doing that at home, is she just like dabbing a stick in and just rubbing that across her eyes? <laughs> Maybe it's more powder? I have no idea yet. That's <laughs> Yeah. I thought Fozzie waving to her up in the circle with his little scarf was very cute. And also feels very old timey as well, like something Laurel and Hardy. Mm. Yeah, I thought there was quite a lot in this episode, especially between Fozzie and Kermit, that felt quite old school double act e. Mm. Um and then also obviously playing on that with his mum as well. Yeah, it had it definitely had a sort of older charm yes. than some of the other episodes when I don't know, just for instance, Miss Piggy's been throwing herself over Rudolf Nureyev or something, you know. Oh, <laughs> I'd forgotten about Rudolf Nureyev. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh well, we might as well get this out of the way. We go into a limbo number. Muppet Limbo. Muppet Limbo. Um, um, is that is it called Muppet Limbo? It is. Okay. It's an original song. Really? <laughs> just feels so unnecessary to have that spout out on Muppet Wiki. Thank you, Muppet Wiki. But yeah. like, it's just. So uh, my notes say, is this the racist warning? Yes, this is the racist warning. <laughs> like, it's sort of written, like, as it begun, I was like, where's this going to go? And then the moment they started singing in those very put on accents, I was like, oh, no. 
See, I think this, I think there's another number that's more what the warning's for, but I think this is problematic also. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, but this one I think is the, the accent that Frank Oz is doing in particular is just the, um, is the same as the Bumba Bumba Brothers one, you know, the, the canon one that we had in the Steve Martin episode. The Italians? Yeah, which is meant to be Italians, and this one's obviously not meant to be Italians. Yes. <laughs> Just um, generic foreign. <laughs> yeah, but with a slight sort of West Indian bent to it that just mm. felt a bit kind of like, ugh. And uh, it's a shame because I like the puppeteering. I really like the set. Like, the sort of, it's a very gorgeously done set, but it's very hard not to just tune into those voices and be like, this isn't. And particularly, you know, it's a week after Lou Rawls was on the show and we've already talked about how one of the numbers there was not a particularly great choice considering its history to do with Al Jolson. And it's just a bit like, God, the 70s were wild. Mm-hmm. Yup. The pig with the steel drum as well just really gave me like Michael Scott coming back from uh, Sandals Jamaica vibes too from the office. I'm afraid you are speaking to two people who have not watched the American office. I do not know what is wrong with the pair of you. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I know, but just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why I've never really watched it. I've got too much. Look, I don't need to. I've got 30 Rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Like, that's my mid-2000s comedy du jour. (laughs) Well, I am sure there are plenty of listeners who will understand my reference. Uh, well, <laughs> but yeah, good. just imagine Steve Carell coming back from holiday with a steel drum and playing that around the office. That's basically all you need to know. <laughs> and it. especially after the uh, after the sketch when they walked off and were still playing it, I was like, yeah, this is exactly like that <laughs> mindset of like, yes, I have co-opted this culture and I'm taking it with me. <laughs> oh, it's like now. when Jenna Maroney uh, goes into Unwind Your Lax. Yes, exactly. Yes, okay, there's there you always go. a way to bring it back. <laughs> I think the saving grace for this otherwise problematic sketch is the business that closes it with Kermit. Yes. The puppeteering that Jim does of squishing Kermit down and then subsequently in the backstage moment that follows of having to crank him like a car jack back up to his regular size, I thought was gorgeous. It's so clever. It's really, really good. And I don't think we've really seen Kermit that scrunched up before and not in that way like we've seen him obviously sort of like collapse into himself collapse into his little big body yeah yeah Yeah. but this was really like there was so much expression in like the neck part yeah and then also the way that he'd modulated his voice so that he did actually sound like he was all scrunched up like it was just yeah it was just gorgeous it was lovely Emma, what did you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It was really, really clever. And watching Jim as he kind of like slowly crunched back up again and like you could see his like extending his fingers and everything and like Kermit's head, you know, it was really, really well done. But even then, I never sort of really questioned that it's Kermit. Do you know what I mean? I never sort of feel like, oh, that's suddenly become a hand. It's just, it just speaks to the quality of the design Mm. of Kermit that, you know, it doesn't break the illusion of him somehow no no i agree and this episode actually drew a lot of attention to kermit like his body oh what you mean when the phrenology starts happening (laughs) but 
even that with was, crazy. I was, <laughs> I was sort of expecting to see like knuckles almost in his mm, head because yeah. it was a bit like, what's Fozzy gonna actually like grab onto? What what is there for Fozzy? You know, Kermit is smooth other than his little half golf balls. And yeah, even with that, like they still didn't draw attention to the fact that it's Jim's hand in the in the puppet. It's very yeah, it's just so good. It's so clever. I did appreciate seeing Mildred in the limbo. Yeah, well. I wrote I that as well. I wrote, Mildred oh, Mildred. And then I also put, real fire. I, I know. <laughs> I knew you'd say about the fire. <laughs> Emma, always the safety monitor of Muppet Sessionals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Emma walks into any room without clocking the like the exits to said room. To <laughs> and she will only be saving herself. Like, do not think a hand is coming back to grab yours as Emma darts out of any room. Like, she will be gone and be like, if you were meant to survive, you're meant to. Like, when Emma's on a plane and they say, put on your own oxygen mask before helping others, Emma's like, of course. <laughs> At the end of the day, if you haven't clocked the exits or put your own oxygen mask on, you're just not doing it right, are you? Like, that's uh... <laughs> yeah. You're pretty much doomed. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. I also made a note that Kermit's little outfit in the Muppet Limbo number reminded me very much of Muppet Treasure Island. Yes, oh, I put that as well. Yeah. 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 When he sort of comes back after he's died and he's doing the uh, sword fight with Tim Curry, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of this is just a couple of notches to the left, really, yeah. from Muppet Treasure Island. It's just unfortunate we didn't go into that kind of more, I don't know, generic, oldie-timey option for the limbo rather than this Michael Scott at Sandals, Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) Lewis throwing off his references out there like he's watched it for decades. Look, if there's one thing I've learned to do, it's to pretend I've seen something (laughs) when in company to sound like I'm a cultured and interesting person. (laughs) I love Ingmar Bergman. (laughs) They're my favourite. I love the one with the chessboard and the in the and the death. <laughs> I love you've also said they're my favourite because Ingmar I Bergman don't know is... if it's a man or a woman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he, but I'm not sure. It is, is he. Right. I know yeah. Ingrid Bergman, obviously. But... <laughs> Ingmar Bergman loved her in Casablanca. <laughs> 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 yes, no. It's Ingmar is a he. from that into Cleo's first number which is well 
it's kind of crazy. It's like her and the whole Electric Mayhem crew on a massive set. Like, they've all got their individual little places. There's a lot of 70s cutaways and fading happening. Emma, the second I saw the wipes and the split screens, I was like, we're back, baby! (laughs) Yeah, it was madness. And then she kind of does a bit of scat and she obviously starts singing it don't mean a thing. And then she kind of introduces everyone and has a little bit of like patter with them, which I thought was quite cute. Um, It's probably like the most interaction we've seen, I think, with a guest and the Electric Mayhem. But it did go on for quite a long time. <laughs> but it's like any time you go to a gig and the the lead singer then takes a moment to introduce the rest of the band, you're like, I understand why we're doing this, but there is a little bit of you that's like, all right, let's go a little bit faster, shall we? Like... But I loved it. I really liked it too. And I think this is the first time for me that that disco set has actually really worked. Yeah. And I think it was because of the split screens and the wipes and the fast cutting. And then also the fact that she had that interaction with each of the Muppets. Because I think that's been my problem with it before. Is that Mm. they're all so separated that there doesn't really seem to be like a cohesive gelling or a really like that much vibing between the different Muppets yeah. but actually because she was talking to each of them and introducing them it didn't really matter that actually they were all quite separated because it was it was doing it in the edit and it was and it was doing it with the guest which I really really liked yeah I think I think she's probably drawing on from what she already does because yeah. obviously where she's a vocalist for a bat like the band obviously she probably does that anyway so it come it i thought it came quite naturally to her mm. oh it was so camp i loved it and then every like turn to the side to do that do up do up do up do up yeah. do up <laughs> in a little like multi like multi-screed little wipe i was like yes <laughs> oh yeah i have like i'm sort of what's that thing called you know like that um What's it called? You know those people who used to do seances? Stay with me. You know, and then, you know, and the person who saw like in touch with the other side is just sort of like writing frantically. There's like a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. free writing or whatever it's called. Yeah. Or is it like auto writing or yes, something? Yes, something like that. So I'm yeah. writing down like, oh, I really like the splits and wipes. And then I suddenly went, oh my God, we're doing banter. <laughs> like it's just my <laughs> hand just like kept going. <laughs> She's doing these little back and forths with uh, Zoot and Floyd and Dr. Teeth and Janice and Adam. Uh, Just great. It was really good fun and it had a really lovely energy. And yeah, she just seemed so on board with it, which actually when you know what her other numbers were kind of makes sense because this was clearly probably the most fun one to do of of the three of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also like... She really showed off her vocal range in this one as well. Like those high notes near the end were crazy. They she were has a so high. Voice. It's amazing. She has. She's got an absolutely outstanding voice. I was like, oh my life! Like, I don't think anyone else that we've had on has got that range that she's that she has. Well, and see who we've got next week with a seven octave range. <laughs> Are they going to make her do it, though? (laughs) They'd better. I was going to say while she still... I was going to say while she still has it. (laughs) Oh! Look, to be fair, she got a lot of money out of that. (laughs) Anyway, we'll talk about all of that on our next next week. (laughs) One last thing I will just add before we move on. I'm trying to decide which of her caftans slash dresses that would be my outfit for the week. 
I think it may be this one, although I did really yeah. love what she was wearing in the opening moment as well. I don't know. One of these two. But they were great. I really like this one. I thought yeah. this one was really beautiful. I couldn't see people wearing that now. Oh, yeah. Whereas I think a lot of the stuff that we see generally on The Muppet Show would not really pass now even in like a camp way people would just be like what is that that was still really lovely <laughs> we run in very different circles <laughs> <laughs> I just, no i think there's like there's there's things about 70s aesthetics that have translated to modern sensibilities and the then kids there's some on the tiktok love it jade the kids and love then the... there are 70s clothes that are flammable <laughs> <laughs> we get it Emma. You're, you're aware of the fire exits like <laughs> You see somebody walking in in 70s attire and you're like, you're going to go up in flames. (laughs) Emma's on the opposite side of the room to them at all times, clocking where they are, just (laughs) gradually walking around. (laughs) (laughs) So then we move backstage again and we get a bit more of Fozzie, this time begging to be in Pigs in Space because he wants to be in absolutely every single thing this week. Um... To which Kermit tells him he can't because he's not a pig, which seems quite reductive because I'm sure like you don't have to be a pig, surely, to be in Pigs in Space. Well, to be fair, from every sketch that we've seen so far of Pigs in Space, they only have pigs. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Although I did like Fozzie's almost play on the some like it hot final line of, well, nobody's perfect mm-hmm. to uh, that, which felt uh, nice, which feels particularly relevant considering what Fozzie then decides to do next. Um, Piggy just shooting out of her dressing room to say, has anybody got my pigs in space costume? And then slamming the door again was great. Loved it, of course. I wondered who was puppeteering her because we had that. And then obviously after the sketch, we had the follow up when she realizes that Fozzie's gone on for her. I was like, who is puppeteering Piggy? Because I'm pretty sure Frank was still doing Fozzie. Um, He obviously did the voices of both of them, but we haven't had it that often yet where they've actually had interaction between the two characters. So it's quite, uh, yeah. And I didn't see anything online about, um, about who was doing it. So if you know at home, please let us know. Yeah. I'm just curious. But yeah, the actual sketch itself, Emma, what did you make of it? I quite like the intro, um, this week where it, they kind of said link was like the Nefandral. I can't say it now. Here we go. We're back. Yeah. Now we're back. Now Neandrotholic. we're back. That's it, Jade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like the overdeveloped Miss Piggy. Yep, I know. Very, very concerning. Concerning. <laughs> and go on, Emma, what did they say about the doctor, whatever his name is? Julius Strangepog. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Strangepog. I can't remember because I didn't write that down. <laughs> He's got tridecophobia. <laughs> and what's that? I think it's, isn't it the one of when you're scared of the number 13? I did mean to look it up. Hold on. Yeah, it is. It's fear or dislike of the number 13. The other form of it is triskaidekaphobia. I think I've said that wrong. But anyway, you can put an S in it somewhere. The more you know. (laughs) So anyway, don't say the number 13 around Dr. Julius Strangepork. I thought Fozzie looked beautiful in his... uh... (laughs) Miss Piggy uh, drag. A lovely wig. <laughs> uh, the wig, I don't know. I I don't know if it was just because it kept getting caught in his fur. I was like, this is just not really working. But I liked it that it was like a lighter shade. Of, he looked like he was trying to be like Agnita from ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like that the outfit just did not sit right on him either at all, because obviously it's designed for Miss Piggy's pig body rather yes. than Fozzie's bear body. <laughs> like the shoulders looked all skewer. And... Yeah, we know Miss Piggy has a cinched little waist from her uh, mm. time up in that moon. So yes, clearly, <laughs> clearly Fozzie needs to get into his waist trainer. <laughs> He needs to experience some anti-gravity to he needs, <laughs> bring that uh, waist Mildred's down. girdle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought this was... Oh, it just felt like a bit of a missed opportunity to me, to be honest. Like, I liked seeing Fozzie dressed up in Miss Piggy's first mate Piggy outfit. Like, that was cute. That was fine. But actually, like, the again, the storyline that it was meant to be, and then also the playfulness, the fact that Link didn't recognise that it was fuzzy and not mm. piggy fine but then just for that to develop into him chasing fuzzy around the swine trek for a kiss i mean so 70s that i really like i was just sat there like oh my god really? yeah like, it was a bit of an odd one because i was a bit like this is like what was the ske- original sketch going mm-hmm. to be like it's that same thing i've argued about before where i'd much prefer it if pigs in space was kind of like a an acorn antique style you know, they're trying to do a space soap opera, but it's really cheap and things keep going wrong. But instead, it just seems to be this strange kind of some people are in the moment in the sketch and some people aren't. But then the sketch is seemingly able to change suddenly because Fozzie is playing Miss Piggy's part. I don't know. It just I always think it's a bit of a missed opportunity, but maybe I need to just get over that this is not what Pigs in Space is and I should try and appreciate what it actually is. Yeah, but there just wasn't that much to actually appreciate in this. Like, Link told them that the place was a pigsty and to clean it up. And then he started chasing Fozzie around. That was literally it. Like, I mean, it's just... Even what it was, was not actually a funny sketch with, like, a series of escalating humorous moments. Do you know? Like, I just... The only thing that was even, like, a joke in it was, like, oh, it's Fozzie as Piggy. But then they didn't really do anything with it, particularly. No. And even like um, Fozzie's little like responses, like El Capitan and stuff like that. I was like, right, okay, so we're just repeating that over and over again. So I'm kind of happy that he wasn't trying to impersonate Miss Piggy. I guess mm. it is literally just Fozzie in the costume that First Mate Piggy wears, which felt, you know, maybe a slightly more, uh, I don't know, a, a more mature choice than might have otherwise have been from other people at that time, but. Yeah, I don't know. It 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 feels again just like a missed opportunity. The one thing I did like was when Link asked Fozzie to come over here, and Fozzie was like, "Oh, okay, I'll try to walk." And then he did like a really bouncy Miss Piggy walk. And <laughs> I thought that was actually really funny. Yeah, yeah, that feels like a nice bit of Frank sort of. Mm. Yeah, knowing how he puppeteers his own two characters. Yeah, sort of yeah. And nice. actually, there was another little bit that I caught, which I thought was quite good because when obviously. Fozzie as Miss Piggy came up and then the other pigs and uh, the wig, the hair went into the face of one of the other pigs and they like whipped the hair out of their face. So I thought that was quite a good like bit of attention to detail there. Yeah, it's just a shame it wasn't, yeah, utilised in a a, a better Mm. sketch overall. Yeah. Mm. But it then did lead into quite a fun bit of backstage business with... Piggy absolutely livid yes. <laughs> that Fozzie has stolen her outfit and gone on for her. I loved that she said she was going to chop him into a bear burger <laughs> because yeah. that felt like a nice reversal of everyone making pig jokes or pork jokes about yeah. her all the time. 
And then that you had Link and Piggy both attacking Fozzy. And then he somehow turned that onto Kermit. To Kermit. Which I, I <laughs> yeah, don't know how he Kermit. did that. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the the little, the dialogue that they've, obviously some of the ADR that they've done for Frank as Piggy. Going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's get the frog. Let's get the yeah. frog. It's like a really, like, just being so easily sort of, you know, convinced to go, you know, to go against Kermit was nice. It didn't make up for Pigs in Space in, like, in total, but... At least it did lead to something genuinely quite funny at the end, because the sketch just wasn't funny, yeah. <laughs> particularly. Oh God, let's get into Bruce Schwartz and his cavalcade of nightmare puppets. Boy. So obviously this is following the trend of Jim Henson having an appreciation for other puppeteers and wanting to use the Muppet Show to occasionally showcase them. So we had those shadow puppets for 100 years uh <laughs> <laughs> oh god why is it just the same joke over and over again it just so i don't much. know at least it had a joke <laughs> and instead of a repetitive joke this time we get horror um, some of the most unsettling oddly beautiful terrifying so out of place to the muppet show puppets i think we've ever seen so far it made moomenshans look normal <laughs> oh my god i mean like i would take an hour of the fly from moomenshans over even one more minute of whatever the hell was going on in this <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is it was weirdly beautiful but it was mm. so alarming and so creepy and just so out of place for the Muppet Show that it it felt like whiplash. I wrote, oh no, I do not like this puppet. It will kill us all. Yeah. I See, I actually, the, the second instance of Bruce Schwartz, I could see more beauty in that. This, with his giant hand yes! clamped around that tiny, tiny little puppet's neck and head was so disturbing and yet yeah, her enormous hands i mean why why were her hands so big she doesn't need hands she's not gonna pick anything up with them she's not gonna do anything with them like why are they not in proportion with the rest of her body she uses it to rip out your eyes when you're not looking at it <laughs> oh i just <laughs> I found it super weird like i didn't understand the fact that obviously this is quite a delicate puppet and yet we can see him. And like you said, the giant like claw hand on her neck. Oh, oh. Just tonally for the Muppet Show, so out of place, so out of keeping. What's meant to be a very dainty, beautiful little puppet ballerina doing her exercises and finishing in the splits. And instead of that, not even instead of that, just for one, he's got his creepy, enormous hand <laughs> moving her head. And then that's, Buffeted between pigs in space and the UK spot. I mean, it's just makes baffling. no sense. Like, <laughs> Absolutely the, baffling. The idea that this is what closes Act One to go to an ad break in yeah. America. People are coming back after this. No, no. Well, I mean, they're not going to bed because they know they will die in their sleep after watching this. <laughs> but I guess they might just turn over, just put another channel on. Yeah. Do we know if Bruce Schwartz is still with us? Bruce Schwartz is still with us. I did I did look him up a little bit. Um so he did actually he did some puppeteering on the Muppet movie. Okay. Um 
and he has done various other things. He was actually given a MacArthur Genius Grant in 1988, which, I mean, if that doesn't tell you something about MacArthur Genius Grants, I don't know what else will. For puppets? (laughs) Yeah, for puppets. Puppets. (laughs) Puppets. What? (laughs) He also did the... Lewis, you can uh, pretend you've seen a film here. Um, He also did the puppets for The Double Life of Veronique, the uh, Kieslowski film. Yes. Know it well. The (laughs) Umslavski film, yes. Mm. Uh, Yes, very interesting puppets in that. I like the way the puppets did the things. (laughs) I thought you were going to say I like the puppets did the puppeteering. Um, yeah, and then the most interesting thing I found and has left me with some more questions than answers at this point was... Oh, he didn't marry one of the puppets, did he? Oh, no, well, I didn't find anything to say that. No, he became a yoga teacher (laughs) and he opened um, He opened, like, a yoga studio in Pasadena, which is still going, (laughs) but I had a look at their website and... There's no mention of him on the website at all. So what the hell happened there? Because he was like the co-founder of it. And now he's been wiped from the website. So I have, you know, again, if you know anything about Bruce Schwartz and the yoga <laughs> in Pasadena, I genuinely do want to know what happened. If we have a listener in Pasadena who wants to go along to a haunted puppet yoga <laughs> studio, <laughs> just find out for us what happened to Bruce Schwartz. Um, and if you are never heard from again, we cannot be held liable. Okay, not that's liable. not yeah. it's not our problem. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, the the MacArthur Genius Grant really did get me. I was like, what? Why has this man been it's, given a MacArthur like Genius he gets Grant? Gets a million dollars. Is that what you get for that? I think oh so. God. What? <laughs> Christ, think of all the creepy little puppets you could make <gasps> for a million dollars. <laughs> Jesus, think of a pair of hands you could build with that. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm not sleeping tonight. That that's the end of my uh, yeah my restful sleep. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's Bruce Schwartz. <laughs> he will be back. He so... will. He will. Actually, I think I might have seen he comes back on a future episode as well. We will never know peace. <laughs> <laughs> never ever ever. So I've now realised that this next bit, the UK spot, is what you were also thinking may be yeah. the problematic. Yes. That's interesting, because I did think that as the song started. Now, maybe it's an old-timey song. It's, like, from the, oh, God, like, turn of the 20th century? No, I think it's a little bit older than that. It's Noel Coward. So, So, yeah, the beginning of the 20th century. Is that not, was he not a little bit later than that? No, he's, like, the 20s, 30s. Oh, yeah, well, okay. I think of the beginning of the turn of literally, like, the 1900s and the 1910s. So a decade yeah. before. Like, okay. so good. <laughs> Fine. He's from the early 20th century. <laughs> like, would you not say that we're in the beginning of the 21st century right now? Mm, we're almost coming up to the quarter mark. Yeah. Look, if somebody... Look, I'm not doing this. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing these little semantic games. Like... Anyway, uh, like it's it's like yeah, he's he's from I think I think the song's from the twenties, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent. Oh yes, the late twentieth century, right? <laughs> Nobody so, said late. I'm I, just saying. So I was listening quite closely to the song. I have heard it kind of in passing before because I have had the misfortune of working in lots of old timey themed <laughs> bars, which this of which this was on the playlist. There wasn't anything that, at least to the only listen that I did, that sort of scanned as 
problematic beyond the fact that they're just sort of naming natives, like nondescript natives, but then also sort of, I don't know, the joke of the song to me is that the idiots are the British. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of stereotypes around yeah. a lot of the different oh, nationalities well, uh, yeah, oh, in yeah, it. Of course, yeah. So like banging the gong and yeah. And I've also looked up the lyrics. Oh no. And is this where I get cancelled because I because <laughs> no, I didn't no, not at all. the song properly. Uh, <laughs> I've looked up the lyrics and Hindu or Hindus as it is in the lyrics is spelled H I N D O O S. Okay, so that's not great. <laughs> Not great. It was first performed in 1931. So, yeah. Okay, well, that I wouldn't call the beginning of the 20th century. So, I mean, I just think it's it's obviously very much from a colonialist perspective. Yeah. Um. Apparently, the phrase "mad dogs and Englishmen" is actually from Rudyard Kipling, which also tells you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I just I I think I just felt like I think the limbo number was definitely problematic too, and clearly there were some you know, some nondescript othering of different races, although it's sort of hard to actually say specifically what they were trying to send up. But I think this, to me, like the lyrics of this and the the tone of this is just very kind of like rule Britannia. Yeah. <laughs> we're the English and you're everyone else. And Yeah, that's very, yeah. it's very English exception. Yeah. Like, even if you are the butt of the joke, it's still just sort of saying, go oh, and all these other... Yeah. People from foreign places, yeah. 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 Well, and also, I think it's like you're... I think it comes from that place of, like, we can laugh at ourselves because we are better than you, which is why we can laugh at ourselves for this nonsense. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I also just think there's something about using Louise Gold in this with a British accent that just sort of really, really underlined that sense of... Yeah, empire, for want of a I better did, word. I've got to say, I did love that female dog dressed as Diane Keaton. So, like, <laughs> Afghan <laughs> hound. Afghan uh, hound. Yeah, she looked wonderful. <laughs> like her silky coat and then her hat and the glasses and a little thing around her neck. Like I was like, it's Diane Keaton. Yeah, it's like coastal grandma, which is yeah, like the big no. thing. <laughs> it's actually a real shame that the song is so icky because... It's quite a fun little rendition of it. Mm. And they're all really joyful. And for a UK spot, there's actually quite a lot of life and vivacity in it. Mm. And you're just like, oh, why is it with this song? Why couldn't it be with something that's just like fine, <laughs> not problematic? Yeah, why can't they just do any old iron or something instead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to do old timey English. Just to, you, know, you don't have to put poor Rolf in a bloody explorer's hat. No. Although he did look cute. He did of look cute. Of course he did. <laughs> Everybody looks adorable in a little hat. <laughs> Emma, are you are you going to have to disown Rolf for his... Racist ways. He needs a time out. <laughs> no treats for Rolf. <laughs> yeah, put him in the doghouse. No. That's where he lives, Lewis. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He lives in a hammock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on from one song to another weird song. Emma, what the hell was this? <laughs> oh my goodness. It was insane. So we had Swedish chef starting up with in his kitchen, getting his like pots and pans out. And there was some sort of like 
salad paraphernalia in front of him including a ladle including a ladle look i don't know about you but i'm always i'm always using a ladle to make my salads okay you need to uh share that video lewis okay because (laughs) (laughs) the idea of anybody using a ladle a ladle Just ladling, ladling my grains. and <laughs> Yeah. I love the fact that Cleo kind of like comes in and then she starts singing. Yeah. And then they do a duet and make a salad. And I don't know. I feel like I have very high expectations for like a song and a salad from Easter Parade. Oh. With mix, mix, toss, yeah. toss. So oh I was watching this and I was like, this is very disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> like a very understanding person and maybe you could solve my problem for me you see i hear singing and there's no one there i smell blossoms and the trees are bare all day long i seem to walk on air i wonder why i wonder why it was a very straight like it's like this is what we're doing with cleo lane like we're just letting her we're just having to let her wander into a swedish yeah. chef sketch and then just sing while he badly makes a salad i don't know it just yeah. felt really tacked on in a way i know i did i did feel like they either. had a they had like a good vibe, but at, at different points throughout it, I did think Cleo, I could see her thinking like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> what am I doing? So the first time I watched it, I just found it pure chaos. And I wasn't really sure what was going on in the song. And I just, I yeah, it, it was just too much. It was just all too much. And then I looked up what it is and... So I had a better understanding of then the second time I watched it, what the hell was going on. <laughs> so it's You're Just In Love, which is the Irving Berlin song um, from a musical called Call Me Madam, which I think Call is a Madam! great name. <laughs> We've definitely mentioned Call Me Madam before. We have, because actually Ethel Merman, when she had her little bit with all of the different Muppets, she sang a line of this with Uncle Deadly. So we have actually had a snippet of the song before on the show. A side salad, if you will. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and a mousse bouche. <laughs> <laughs> and as as we know, Jade, a salad is not good unless it's got butter on it. Butter. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> we went to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant for my birthday one year and we ordered this literally i think it was called like butter salad or something and emma's digging in and she's like oh my god this is like the most delicious thing i've ever had in my life i'm like because it's coated in butter (laughs) (laughs) emma's suddenly thinking she's got a you know a newfound taste and appreciation for leafy greens and it's just butter (laughs) well peter's exactly the same whenever he like cooks veg veg for us like he will toss everything in butter i'm like this is delicious but this is so defeating the point like (laughs) <laughs> oh. Oh, well yeah can can recommend but probably only once a week at most yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway butter salad <laughs> oh have any of you seen those butter boards that the kids keep making on tiktok they look so stupid no what are they oh i think i've seen this and they basically like mush down a load of butter onto a, a charcuterie board and chuck loads of herbs and what? Pieces so it's on like it. they get like some good butter and they just like smoosh it onto a 
plate. And then Emma's right. They toss like salt, pepper, and then sometimes like some honey or like some other sort of thing. And oh then some God. other bits and bobs. And then they just, they just, people just taking bits of bread or crostini and just smooshing it along this <laughs> butterboard like a little skid mark and they're just eating the bread you're like you're just shoveling butter into your mouth just because you've slapped it across a board and chucked some like greens on it does not mean you're not just ingesting like a, like a, a whole tub of butter <laughs> like it's christ oh <sighs> yeah anyway butterboards stupid i think gen z do know it's nearly the end of days and they're just like we're going to embrace this <laughs> <laughs> to be fair I, yeah to be fair if we do get the confirmation that earth is not coming back i probably will crack out a butterboard <laughs> yeah we're all that's what we're all going to be having <laughs> just like dunking a dairy milk across a butterboard <laughs> <laughs> What I don't understand for this number is why they weren't singing a song that's actually food-based. Do you know what I mean? Or a food pun. So this is what I was coming on to with the oh, song. Well, no, no. Well, just just that I think I've I think I've worked out what they were trying to do, but I just think it didn't work. Is that this is obviously a song with the counterpoint, and it's famous for being an Irving Berlin song with the two different parts singing completely different melodies. Mm. So I think maybe what they were thinking was that because Swedish Chef is obviously just saying nonsense, he could effectively just be doing like a bit of a beat or a rhythm or whatever underneath her singing, rather than him trying to sing along do you know, like in a yeah, in a way, I do get what you're saying. I just, but think that, it's a... I don't think it worked. But I think that's maybe what they were thinking. Yeah, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, they could have done like, "How do you like your eggs in the morning?" Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like, mm, and it could be like, yeah. clearly, be like, "How do you like your eggs in the morning?" And then switch back to like, do Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like any food. I want candy. I don't know. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> did that song exist? <laughs> Yes, I'm sure it did. I want candy. By 1978, definitely. Or like, lollipop, lollipop, boot. Like, yeah, you know, so many. Boot, boot. Like, you know, any of these things are funnier We've than them made singing it a, a nondescript <laughs> yeah. Irving Berlin yeah. song and making a salad. Like it's some sort of bloody Nora Ephron movie. Like, we're just... <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you know, make it a We need Diane Keaton back. <laughs> that's not Nora Ephron, Emma. That's bloody, what's her face? The other one. The one who does. Oh, Delia? No, the one with the kitchens. Nancy Myers. That's it. That's it. Yeah. No, actually, that is more of a Nancy Myers thing to be tossing a salad and singing a song, actually. Nora Ephron, I'm just thinking of because of her um, salad dressing recipe. From Heartburn yeah. being back in the news recently because of Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. A kitchen setup is more of a Nancy Myers thing yeah, in general absolutely. than a as, than an Efron thing. But yeah, like I yes, I completely agree. It just it was so. I mean, it felt like one of Swedish chefs' recipes, right? Like it just felt like they'd put everything in it and none of it was sticking or working or yeah. coming together. I I found it quite funny when obviously Cleo was chucking all that stuff in, and then when she shaked in those nondescript herbs slash spices and then near the end when she put her finger in it and obviously i think i don't know if she ha- then had second thoughts and thought i'm not going to taste this but <laughs> yeah. it was like she literally like retreated her finger back from the bowl and just didn't completely ignored what she just did 
I did like how over the applause, like she's doing a sort of like look at Swedish Chef and then laugh. And then she's clearly like looking off camera a bit to be like, well, that was weird. Like laughing yeah, yeah. kind of like, all right, I guess we got it. <laughs> like, I was going to say, I think the look was more like, you're not making me do that again, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am Cleo Lane and I am not ready. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just very strange. I I, do, I wonder whether we are going to see any more of Swedish Chef doing numbers with guests because I feel like surely they chalked this up as a bit of a loss. <laughs> I mean, if we've learned anything from watching this show, it's that it takes a little bit of time for <laughs> the failures <laughs> to be clearly recognised. <laughs> we saw those houses come back way too many times. Oh my God, don't remind me of the houses. <laughs> Oh. I, I the Statler and Wardorf got a good zing on the end of this though, didn't they? With the cooking is the second worst thing he does. Yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was great. That was really good. It's almost like a sort of light apology to the audience being like, yeah, we know that wasn't great. <laughs> so yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> and move on we do to Fuzzy Bear doing a phrenology bit. <laughs> of course. You know, that thing that Fuzzy Bear always does. <laughs> He's famous for it. Yeah. I did think this was actually quite cute. Yeah. The first bit, I didn't like too much. But as soon as the uh, the mallet came out, I was like, okay, this is quite a funny escalation. And I like this. It's like a sketch. I honestly felt like the whole thing just felt very old school double mm. act. You know? Yeah. Fozzie just going for it. Kermit obviously being the straight man that's that is going along with it because it's his friend and his mum's in the audience and he also doesn't really have a choice because Fozzie's basically got him in a headlock. Yeah. <laughs> um, the silliness of the jokes around like, you're a very flexible person and tomorrow you're going to have a stiff neck. And yeah. I don't know, there was just something very charmingly, yeah, just stupid and silly yeah. and fun. Frank and Jim were puppeteering it so lovely. Like, the, the way that they were tussling together. And clearly a couple of little ad-libs being tossed in as mm. well. Yeah. yeah. Emma, if you were Fozzie's mother up in the audience with your house coat and your <laughs> earrings dangling across your cheek, would you be impressed by this phrenology sketch? <laughs> I feel like she'd probably be sat there being like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> How many years did I pay for clown college? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think she would she would she not be like that exactly? She'd be like, I thought you were gonna do comedy and now you're doing phrenology. So here's I was going, so here's a question. Do you think Fozzie thinks he's doing a sketch about phrenology, or do you think Fozzie thinks he's doing phrenology? I think he thinks he's doing phrenology. Yeah, I oh, think God. so too. I think he thinks he's doing it, yeah. Because also the the little when he whispers to Kermit, do it for mom. Like, oh, yeah. do it for mom. <laughs> yeah. It's really just like it's just like I want her to be proud and I'm doing I'm doing this newfangled uh, form of what well, newfangled except phrenology is like definitely from the beginning of the 19th century like 20th century if not like the end Yeah but of that's it. like that's Fozzie's prime time isn't it you know like Fozzie's <laughs> musical and yeah. <laughs> that kind of humor yeah i i i think he thought he was doing it though I really think he was like, hmm, let me fill Kermit's bumps and I will read his future. Yeah. Bless him. Yeah. I like I thought it was very funny. And yeah, when Kermit went crazy at the end with the mallet, that was just 
That's what you come to the Muppet Show for, not creepy Bruce Schwartz puppets. And speaking of, it's time for Cleo's third number with... (laughs) A haunting scene taking place in the background. If a picture paints a thousand words Then how can I paint you? The words would never show The you I've come to know If a face could launch a thousand ships Then where am I to go? There's no one home but you. You're all that's left me to. Can we just talk before we get into it? What was what was the set to start with? Why was uh, oh, it wishing like, well? <laughs> okay, wishing well. I thought it looked like a wedding cake with like a hooper well, on the top of to, it. When I first saw it and I was like, okay, what's... And then when it kind of panned up and then we saw obviously Cleo sat there and then there was that, well, woman puppet and the, I didn't really see what that was on the floor. So I was like, okay, this is weird. Is this meant to be like a puppet version of Cleo kind of thing, mm-hmm. like a reacting? And then I was like... Is that a mat? Is that a dead mat? I was like, is that guy dead? Like, what's <laughs> yeah, happening? No, and then, and then he breathed and you yeah. saw his chest move. And that was honestly like, I was like, I'd rather you were dead than seeing like, you breathe. It, it was, was so creepy. It was so creepy. And, you know, poor Cleo. Obviously, they did a little, a lot of like wipes and swipes again. But she was so staring off into that middle distance and was like, I am not watching this craziness <laughs> <Yeah>. unfold. <laughs> do not engage. Do not engage. Yeah, do, do not, not engage. Do not do engage. Not the <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> they f- and then they float away. And this is supposed to be a kids movie. <laughs> How? How is she floating away too? Like, why is she dead as well? I think, okay, I did think about this. I think she's an angel who's come to comfort a dying man and then takes his soul to hell. (laughs) But who thought this was a good idea? Why do you want to see a dead guy? (laughs) (laughs) It was so strange. And it's such a shame because it was such a nice song. What was the song? So the song is If... And it was originally done by the band Bread. Who do oh. you do you two know Bread? Oh, I yes, Bread. I really <laughs> liked their earlier albums. Do you? Yes, Whole Grain, Babs. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if, Baguette. Baguette. Their French, their, their album of French socks. Um. So I looked up Bread because I was like. Who are bread? I'm sorry, but bread should have released an album called that. <laughs> they actually, so they actually did release two out. Al- they had one album that was just also called Bread, and then the album that this is from was Toast. Called, it was called Manna, which is like the Hebrew word for bread. Yeah. So they did. They did actually follow that line of thinking. It was just but- not with bats. <laughs> I'm I'm sad that we never got their Edith Piaf cover cover album Baguette. I think that's such a shame. 
or Pan. <laughs> the one song of theirs that I did know was Guitar Man. I'm not going to sing it, but Get I think Our Man. No, Guitar Man. Oh, sorry. Guitar Man. But you they sing it Guitar Man, so I'm saying it like that. Uh I might know it if I heard it, but I think you would know it if you mm. heard it, but that was the only one I knew. But anyway, when I was looking them up, so if it didn't actually chart in the UK for bread, which so I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting that Cleo Lane's singing it. But then when I was looking up the song, are you ready for this? In 1975, it went to number one in the UK for Telly Savellas. Ah! (laughs) That is why she's singing it. (laughs) I don't know. The whole thing, just Cleo disassociating, middle distancing, singing very, very seriously while Bruce Schwartz kills some puppets. Uh, the whole thing was just such a terrible ending yeah. for the Muppet Show. It's but just also, so such keeping. a shame because Cleo Lane is clearly like game for a laugh, mm. and they're sticking her in these like. I mean, the thing with Swedish Chef, I guess, is kind of kooky, but she feels kind of stuck. It feels like her high point is genuinely that first number with yeah. Doctor T from Electric Mayhem, where she seems so fun and vivacious, and then you know, obviously, I don't mind. You know, she's obviously a very versatile singer, so have her sing a ballad, fine. But lumbered with these bloody uncanny valley puppets that are just like kind of human but not and breathing and big hands breathing. and cheekbones and dead. And, I just don't understand why she didn't really get to hang out with any major Muppets until yeah. the goodbyes. Like when when Kermit's saying bye to her, I'm like, you haven't even seen her. Like yeah. she might as well have not been here. Like, not saying everyone has to hang out with Kermit, but she didn't get anything with Piggy. She didn't have anything with Fozzie. Like, I feel like maybe a nice ballad could again work with, like, Gonzo. We've had some really nice ballads with Gonzo. That could have been quite a nice pairing for this. Look, it's missing out on the fireworks factory. Like, it's... You know what it is? I was in LA a few weeks ago, and I went to the Academy Museum. And their little room exhibit that's all about the Wizard of Oz was closed. So I didn't get to see the ruby slippers or the lion's outfit or one of the weird munchkin guards. And I was pissed. (laughs) Like, I was really annoyed. (laughs) Luckily, I didn't pay to go. And they didn't have Cher's Oscar dress, which is usually in there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) just look at... Breathe, Lewis. I know, it was just very annoying. (laughs) Yeah, no. It is. It's, It's like you've... You sit through some of the stuff we sat through in this episode and then you get this and you're like, right, I am not being rewarded for my patience with (laughs) some of the uh, dicier moments of this episode, am I? This is what I'm getting. Where are the ruby slippers? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I actually feel really sorry for her that this is what she was given. I'm sure she could have had... You know, even if the rest of the episode was a bit weird, I'm sure her numbers could have been a lot more fun and enjoyable and, yeah, just yeah, like all of those watchable, things. entertaining. Yeah. And even the, I mean, we do get a nice close to the sort of, I mean, I suppose it's literally just the A plot where there isn't really a second plot running through this episode at no. all. Um, we cut to Fozzie's mother and she is fast asleep. And to be honest, I do not blame her. <laughs> I think the puppets killed her. As in, Bruce Schwartz's puppets. <laughs> Are we going to see one of those Bruce Schwartz puppets come down and pick up pick up Fozzie's mum and take her away? <laughs> the credits play out in silence. It's like, she's dead. 
in memory of Ma. Ma. Oh, Ma. Oh, well, I will be very interested to see uh, how we are going to rank this episode. But first, we must decide upon our MVMP, otherwise known as our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, why don't you kick us off? Well, um, I'm going to go for the Bruce Swartz puppets. Only joking. (laughs) (laughs) Angel of death. (laughs) Ah, No, um, my MVMP for this week is Fozzie. I just love the fact that he just tries to like muscle his way into everything. And he's like, please do it for Ma. Just like give me my five seconds of fame. And... How he just kind of keeps pestering Kermit. I really love the little backstage business with him and Kermit when he's like using the carjack action to push uh, scrunch Kermit back up again. And his just kind of like desperation <laughs> to get on stage um, is is quite funny. And it was great to see him doing his like act with Kermit as well. I thought that was really funny. And like you, how we were saying like, the puppeteering of Fozzie and Kermit was really great and their interaction and the ad like libbing and everything. So I think for this episode, my MVMP is going to be Fozzie Bear. How about you, Jade? I thought Fozzie was cute. I did worry at times that we went slightly back into not quite sad sack Fozzie, but just like he was a little bit desperate. So for this episode, I've gone with Kermit for my MVMP because I just thought he actually was holding a lot of that fuzzy stuff together um but also i really loved that we had that amazing bit of puppetry with when he was all scrunched up and how good the voice was during those i don't really want to say well i guess it was a little scene but that like transition moment Mm. um also really liked how jim played kermit during the phrenology sketch as well i felt like actually without kermit to to be that straight man against Fuzzy, Fuzzy would have become really, really quite grating, actually, this episode. But I think Kermit did enough to to sort of keep it funny, keep it moving, keep it grounded. Um, so yeah, I'm giving it to the frog. Lewis, how about you? Jade, I'm actually siding with you on this one. This week, I'm giving my MVMP to Kermit. I... Yes, we win. <laughs> um, yeah, I <laughs> Sorry, think you're right. I think there's just a little bit not too much fuzzy because he's adorable but it does it does start to get a bit repetitive whereas kermit shows some new sides to him this week mm-hmm. and some new shapes to him as well so i think that just it's and particularly when he's so often sort of stuck as just being our i don't know point of normality or the straight man to everybody else's nonsense to let him still get a bit of kookiness or madness is always nice so yes i am also going to choose kermit all right Let's get into our rankings for this week. Do you know what? I'm going to do the same order. Emma, why don't you kick us off? Okay, so this was quite tricky for me this week. So I'm going to give it six salad making out of ten. Um, <laughs> six, but- I don't know. six butter salads. <laughs> six butter salads out of ten, yeah. Mm, they sound butter. tasty. <laughs> I mean, there were some really great bits, and I did love the whole plot with Fozzie and his mum and his interaction with Kermit. And, you know, Cleo's opening number was really great, um, her with Electric Mayhem. But, like we kind of said, there were some questionable 
numbers um, throughout this um, episode this week. And to be honest, I think they underutilized Cleo quite a lot, which I think was a shame because um, I think they could have done so much with her. And also, I mean, the creepy, 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 creepy uh, Bruce Swartz puppets did not help with the rating. So I think overall um, this week, this episode is going to get a six from me. Um, how about you, Jade? I'm going quite a bit lower than Ooh. you, Emma, because I just, I don't know, I just think there's a lot in here that's not to like. <laughs> so I'm going to go four and a half out of ten Fozzie's mum's handbags. Nice. <laughs> um, because I, like, yeah, the Fozzie runner was fun. I like that we got to meet Fozzie's mum. <laughs> it was just, it was a good gag. Um, yeah, It Don't Mean a Thing was was really, really lovely. But genuinely, I think that was the highlight of the episode. And it came so early on that, you know, there wasn't that much really to stick around for afterwards. I thought Statler and Waldorf got some good zingers in there this week. And as we've spoken about, the phrenology act, because I don't think it really was a sketch, because Fozzie was taking it very seriously, uh, was really, really good fun. Um, and yeah, it was just... Uh, it was lovely to hear Cleo's voice as well because she clearly is very, very talented and um, she's got an amazing range and ability. But yeah, I agree. I think she was massively underused. Um, and I just, yeah, I just felt like overall there was quite a lot in this episode that either just left me feeling a little bit like, oh, this is a bit problematic or I can't fully enjoy it 100% or just yeah with the creepy puppets like why am i watching this so yeah four and a half out of ten fozzy's mum's handbags lewis what are you giving it i'm gonna go sort of between you both i'm doing five haunted angel puppets out of ten <laughs> this kind of reminded me a bit of um was it judy collins that we had earlier this year mm-hmm. where it's like the clowns yeah yeah exactly where you're sort of like good god what is happening and it's such a shame because the actual guest has so much potential, but then they get yeah. kind of wasted. And then a few kind of sketches that, again, feel like they have potential, like Pigs in Space or, I don't know, even Swedish Chef and a guest that just don't capitalise on it properly. But I think you are so buoyed along by the goodwill that that first great number with Cleo mm-hmm. and Electric Mayhem has that I think I was probably a bit kinder on it. Whereas actually, had that been the closing number, I probably would weirdly be ranking it lower. But yeah, I think for this one, I think it's a, it's a shame because Cleo Lane seems really fun. Camp Gold, Caftans Galore. But I can only give it five haunted angel puppets. <laughs> haunted. 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 haunted <laughs> angel puppets. Out Ugh. of ten. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, Cleo. You deserved more. Yeah, she absolutely did deserve more. And that's one of the reasons, I, in a way, that I've marked it as low as I have. Because I just think, like, there was clearly a lot more that could have been done here. And they just did not make the most of it at all. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's fly ourselves over like a weird angel of death puppet with big hands to Jade's Muppet Book Club Corner Club. What have you got for us this week, Club Book Club? <laughs> Jade? Please take your hands off my neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if I had a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're back. Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, so this week, 
Uh, I've got something short and sweet about the Swedish chef this week from Jim Henson the Works. Short and sweet like a butter salad. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I wasn't really sure what to say about this week's episode. I think I just got so freaked out by the creepy puppets. I well, after like, you've done research on Bruce Schwartz's yoga studio, there's only so much. For, that's something that's, that's very much a too much internet for today kind of like yeah. close the laptop, go touch some grass kind of like. <laughs> yeah, stare at the sky for yeah, a bit. Breathe. <laughs> think about think about anything else. So yeah, I just I just picked this up about the Swedish Chef because I don't think I've ever said anything about the Swedish Chef in particular yeah. in. Book club, corner club. Club, jade club. <laughs> Get your hands off my neck, club. <laughs> okay, so. The Swedish Chef was built and performed with Frank Oz's assistance by Jim Henson. Because of his elaborate hand movements, the chef was perhaps the most impressive example of a two-man puppet operation in the Muppet repertoire. Only perfect coordination between the two performers could permit the chef to wrestle with a chicken that had no intention of ending up in the pot or gesticulate at a talking chocolate cake. At times, Frank recalls, we didn't know what the hell we were doing with the Swedish chef. A lot of it was made up on the spot, and it depended on the special rapport that Jim and I had when we were working together. The chef was special. It was one of those situations, like Ernie and Bert, where we just knew what the other was going to do next, and there was no need to talk about it. Cute. That's nice. A little bit of puppeteering osmosis. Yeah. And I did I did think with this one, even if the sketch was actually pure chaos... There was a lot going on with the Swedish chef in it. <laughs> you know? I do always forget that the Swedish chef is being operated by two people. Mm. It's so seamless. It is. It's, you know. And watch this seamless transition into the close. Thank you so <laughs> much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Sational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can see our Muppet Sational butterboard. <laughs> 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 you can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and our recipes for butter, butterboards at oh what's our website again sorry <laughs> muppetspodcast.com uh, you wouldn't think i haven't done this for a couple of months oh oh it's so nice to be back uh thank you so much for joining us until next week or you know whatever the hell we give the next episode i've been lewis chandler i've been jade turner and i've been emma chandler and we shall see you next week on another episode of muppet sational bye, bye. bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 